This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 76. podcast listeners. Welcome back. Welcome back. I am so grateful for you showing up to listen to yet another fantastic conversation on the podcast. I'm so, so excited to share my guest and her deep wisdom and generosity with you today. And I promise that my um, opening monologue is not going to be 10 minutes long. However, I do have some things that I want to share. I am recording this like right in this moment on Friday, January 20th, which is a big day here in the United States. And I've got mixed emotions about that, which I'm not going to talk about. However, what I am going to talk about is my renewed, ever-present, strong, desire to uh, make a difference in the world, make a difference in the lives of others, and really lead by example for my family, for my community. Um, And I want to invite you into that. So all of you, many of you, if you've been listening for the last few months, you've heard me declare the goal of 1 million children, impacting 1 million children through sharing our the things that inspire us that we're finding online. I am going to invite you into something else, which is feeding 3,000 humans, 3,000 hungry humans. I have a goal set. I have a goal set for the end of March to have fed 3,000 humans, hungry humans, and I can't do it without you, right? I can't do it without you. So here is my invitation. Uh, The goal for the month of January is to get to 1,000, right? And immediately my thoughts are like, how the heck am I going to do that? Well, guess what? I have this amazing platform. I have all of you. We have each other. And so my invitation for you is to find a group of parents that you love. Find a group of parents. Invite them over. Invite them to bring some supplies. And together with your children, make as many sack lunches as you can. Okay, make as many sack lunches as you can and then take those sack lunches to into town. 
either pass them out to people on the street, take them to your local uh, community center, take them to your local Volunteers of America or whatever it is in your vicinity, whatever the organization is in your vicinity that is in the work of helping people who are either struggling with homelessness or have found themselves in dire straits. Be a part of the change and be in contribution. And a lot of you have reached out to me or posted in the um, Facebook group, Live in Love with Joyful Courage, about gratitude and how do we instill gratitude. And there's this whole conversation around entitlement. Well, let's take that and let's put it into action. Okay, let's, let's put gratitude into action. Let's model it and invite our children in the action of gratitude and generosity. So that is my challenge for you this week. I have a Facebook event page that's simply called Feed 3000. And if you look it up on Facebook, you'll find it join the event like I'm going. It's not an actual place to go. But by joining the event, then you'll have access to all the conversation that's happening there. And as you do this, as you pull your community together and inspire others to step into this work of feeding 3,000 people, you can we can keep a running tally there. We can find out who's doing what, where, how many lunches went out um, in your part of the world, in your town, in your state, in your country, right? This isn't just an American thing, right? There are hungry people everywhere. There are hungry children everywhere. And we can get really creative about being the change that we want to see in the world. We can get really creative about showing up for the people that are on the margins, that are on the edge, right? That don't have the resources that will cushion them through, you know, the uncertainty of what's to come. Be a part of creating more generosity in the world, creating more love, right? More belonging in the world. Feed 3,000. Help me. Help me feed 3,000 people, hungry people, and be the change. Be the change. Okay, I'm going to have a link um, to the event page in the show notes. If you have any questions, you can send me a message through Facebook. You can send me a message through Instagram. You can send, you know, post a question on the Live in Love with Joyful Courage page. Let me know your questions, but I think we can get really creative, you all. I think we can, and I think we can make a huge impact on people that are really struggling right now. So that's what I wanted to share with you. Now, oh my gosh, this is such a great interview. I had the honor of interviewing Patty Whitfler, who is the founder of Hand in Hand Parenting. And, you know, talk about generosity. Our conversation was so spacious and she was so generous in helping me and will be helping you to understand what the foundations of hand-in-hand parenting are really about and how, you know, how deeply our kids, you know, when they're falling apart and having a really hard time, how deeply they're feeling their hurts and feeling their pain and how we can really be allies to them. We can be supporters of them um, and hold space for them to get to the other side so as to begin to show up better, more productive, more helpful, more cooperative in the home. So Patty was an amazing guest and we talked for a really long time. And I just know that you are going to love everything that she has to say. And again, I am so honored that she said yes. Um, Thank you to Tasha Shore, who was a guest last fall. We talked about boys. She uh, introduced me to Patty and um, 
just super, super, super blessed, super grateful, and um, really excited to share our conversation with you. So let's head in that direction. Hi there, Patty. Welcome to the Joyful Courage podcast. Thanks, Casey. I'm glad to be here. I'm so glad to have you. Please share with the listeners about your journey of doing what you do. Oh, let's see. It's a long story, but um, to make it short, I come from a large family. I'm the oldest of six children, and we had several major, really um, very major health crises in our family as I was growing up. So I wound up um, playing a lot with my younger brothers and sisters and really loved being with kids. And I wound up sort of being the mom in the family for several years, in fact, while my mother was confined to bed. And um, I don't know, I just loved being with kids. They were the funnest part of life. And um, so I just thought, well, I'll be a teacher and then I get to be with kids a lot, which I was and I enjoyed. And then I had children under the impression, the very strong impression that I was going to be a fantastic mom, that I knew so much about kids and I'd been working with them for so long already and it was going to be a piece of cake. And uh... (laughs) (laughs) I'm familiar with that belief. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think anybody gets to parent in a way that makes it feel like a piece of cake. It is really, really emotional work and it's hard work. And um, we were under many stresses as a young couple. And, you know, the I sort of hit the wall and was beginning to be harsh with my children the way my father had been harsh with us. And I had vowed I would never do that. I just thought I I, I will never, ever... You know, threaten my children. And I was really beginning to go to be out of line. And one day, and I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't tell anybody that I was out of line and out of control. Mm. Um, but it was alarming to me. And I had, and I kept making resolves in the morning that I wouldn't lose my patience. And, you know, and I would lose my patience before 9am and uh, just didn't know what to do with myself. And uh, someone who I barely knew asked me one day, what's it like to be a mom? And I looked at her and I just burst into tears and I had the big, long cry and I am not a crier or I wasn't then. And um, she just listened. She didn't tell me what to do. She didn't get all alarmed. She didn't make me sit down or give me a drink of water. She listened and I just poured my heart out for about 15 minutes and then kind of pulled myself together and went, oh my gosh, what have I done? I don't even know you. And uh, it turns out she had learned how to listen. She was not a counselor or anything, but she was a good listener. And um, I went back to playing with my children, and all of this tension was gone. I was playful again. I was relaxed. You know, the things they did that used to get me going didn't affect me in any way whatsoever. And I just thought, boy, I have to go ask her what she did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, she just sort of told me how she'd learned how to listen and how, you know, there's a group of people exchanging listening time because it does help to get, have some place to go with how you feel about parenting for sure. And, um, I dove in and, found that it made my parenting so much better to have a listener every week. And to give listening back was also 
deeply, deeply interesting. And the person that I started doing listening with was a dad who was in a terrible situation. His, you know, his daughter had Down syndrome. She was six months old. His wife had just walked out on him and said, I'm never coming back. Mm. He was an engineer. He didn't know what to do with the baby. He didn't know how to get services for his daughter. And the listening that I did with him really kind of got him out of an almost catatonic state. He really was unable to fend for himself or for his daughter until we started listening with one another. So his life got better and my life got better. And we helped each other for the next 12 years um, as parents listening to one another. And I just, I don't know, I wanted to learn everything about it. So that's, that's how, that's the beginning of my journey. And, and as I got better and better at figuring out how to listen to my children. We started a little school at my house and we experimented with, you know, well, if, if having a good cry with somebody who cares about you and doesn't tell you what to do is good for us, how do you do that with a child? You know, what if they're crying about they want another cookie? Don't you just lecture them about, you know, not having more sugar or what do you do? And and so we sort of slowly but surely, a bunch of moms with our kids figured this stuff out. And then I slowly but surely figured out how to communicate the insights that we were getting to other parents. And that's that's what I've been up to for the last 43 years. Oh, my gosh, Patty, that is a really powerful story. And I just, oh, I get kind of emotional listening to it. You mm. know, the power, like what you said when you first initially kind of broke down to the acquaintance that you had and then wondered what did she do and realizing how powerful what came to me as I listened to you is that we don't always realize how much we are doing when we are present with another human being and well I'm going to say simply but and profoundly Mm -hmm. listening to them Mm -hmm. listening deeply to them that is that's an incredible story so you had this experience and you are working with these other parents and you're puzzling it out and mm-hmm. you create hand-in-hand parenting. Yes? Yep. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Took about 15 years of practice and really I wound up in the in the peer counseling organization that I you know, learned listening from. I wound up doing workshops with parents in about 22 different countries over the over a period of 15 years and slowly but surely got better at communicating what we were doing and showing parents and playing with children all weekend long so that we could do it together and I did I don't know over 400 weekend workshops where children are there the whole time and there's like you know 24 hour opportunity to play and yeah. the parents parents get to get listened to when they're when they wear out and uh you, you learn a lot, you know. So then yeah. I started hand in hand to try to get these in, the information out in a, in a big way. Well, and I'm guessing that the parents that are listening right now, I mean, you think you mentioned a, a peer mentor listening group. Like mm-hmm. what, when you talk about listening and, and as the last four or five years I've been um, developing as a coach mm-hmm. and so recognizing that there are many levels to what listening actually is. But I think that you know, the vast majority of people, you know, listening is simply not talking. So will you, will you talk a little bit about um, how you support parents in listening to each other in the context that you're talking about? Sure. I mean, listening does start with not talking. Mm-hmm. But... Okay, good. <laughs> so that's the external part of it is not talking very much. 
Um, but the internal part is what, how you, the attitude you hold and the thought that you hold in your mind as you are with somebody who's talking about things that really matter to them. And the, the attitude of respect, the attitude of warmth, the attitude of you have done the very best you can at every moment of your life. And I don't care how many mistakes you have made. I know you're good and I know you want good things to happen. And I'm here to help you understand your own mind. And the way I'll do that is to have you explore your mind. And I will, I will be here rooting for you as you do, but only you know what to do. Only you know how you feel. And so it's, it's, um, it's bringing your presence and your faith in the goodness of the other person and your promise not to spread any of the, any of the things that they tell you to any other person. Yeah. So it's confidential and you don't give advice and you don't interrupt. Um, and there are things that you can say and do that slowly but surely make it safer for the other person to reach down and notice how they feel about the things that have happened to them. Mm-hmm. And I think the other insight that we go on is that people are good and the the times when we use poor judgment or get scared or don't know what to do, we feel challenged and we are stumped as to what to do or the things we're doing are not working, mm-hmm. those are times when our thinking gets clouded by the feelings we have about the situation. For instance, mm-hmm. if you're if you were... If you had a hard time in kindergarten and you cried every day for two months going to school and you were scared to leave your mom or your dad, um, then when your child starts kindergarten, all these worries, the same fears that you held as a child. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, that never really got addressed because they just made you go and they didn't listen to you. Those fears are still stuck inside you. And as you think about sending your child to kindergarten, you are very, very likely to get over-worried, over-concerned. You're very likely to feel like the teacher isn't good. This is that's going to be a dangerous situation that you're sending your child into because the feelings you carry color the experience that you are seeing your child have. And this happens to us unconsciously every day, mm-hmm. that, that how we feel about what our children do, what they say, what they eat, what you know, whether they sleep or not, a lot of it has to do with things that happened to us when we were little that we don't even necessarily remember, but the feelings are still there and they get they get kindled just by being with our own children. So we... We sometimes overreact to situations not, you know, that are actually pretty simple just because we have a history with that kind of situation and nobody listened to us the first time we went through it. So those feelings get all fired up um, as our children face something that sort of resembles what we what we actually went through. And um, it's unloading those feelings, really being listened to and having a chance to have a good cry. Um, that clears our minds and really helps us be problem solvers. So, for example, I had a a mom who was scared of her child entering kindergarten, and she was imagining terrible things. Mm -hmm. And she cried very deeply in a parent support group that I ran. I think three weeks in a row she had three really good cries about her own kindergarten experience and her fears for her child. And after that third cry, she came back to the, you know, the support group the next week and said, I figured out what to do. I went to the school and I asked them, could I, you know, could I reach out to all the other kindergarten parents? I want to do um, three picnics this summer with the families so the kids can get to know each other mm-hmm. out in the schoolyard on the lawn. We're just going to bring food. We're going to get to know each other. And then they'll be friends by the time they hit kindergarten. And she had a great idea. It's an idea that's actually used by a lot of schools these days. Um, And um, it solved the whole problem. She wasn't scared. She got to meet the other kids, the other families. Her child felt integrated. And um, all her fears disappeared because she had those really good cries about her own experience. And then she could access her ability to take initiative and think, well, what what would make this better and come up with a great solution? Oh, Patty, I love it. You are speaking my language for mm-hmm. sure. And I think it becomes so powerful when we as human beings, and I think the parenting journey is absolutely the place where we get to learn this because it's so easy. Well, not easy, but it's just we we kind of move through our life not realizing all of these patterns and these layers that we've co- that we collect over time. 
mm-hmm. through our experiences and the relationships and the models that we've had. And then we have these kids and all of, and like, I mean, I totally resonated with your story around, I was a teacher before having kids and I thought, oh, this is going to be, <laughs> this is probably going to be easy for me, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, and then I had one and, and she was for the most part pretty easy, but that second when it was two of them and the dynamic started to show up and the model that I swore I would not put on was mm-hmm. alive inside of me. Yep. And that was scary. Yep. And um, I would say that there were times where I felt hopeless, like there's no getting out of this. And so mm-hmm. what's been beautiful in my experience has just to come back to forgiveness and release about my own experiences of hurt and actually coming to a place of gratitude because my experiences absolutely fuel me in the work that I do. Mm-hmm. And um, and I love to tell that to the parents that I talk to because often and work with because often there's a story of, well, my parents were this way or I had this kind of upbringing. And so there's almost this hanging on to that's why I can't be the parent that I want to be when really it. It, yes, it's there and we can acknowledge it, but what I'm hearing you say from the listener perspective is the listeners are holding the space of you have everything that you need inside of you and we are here loving you and supporting yeah. you and listening and letting yeah. you release everything you need to release. And it's just, I mean, it's just so beautiful and so exciting to me when people get to recognize this opportunity because I think a lot of people go into parenting and they you know they just live through parenting without recognizing the rich and deep possibility for growth and evolution and joy and love yeah. that exists yeah. oh yeah we just went totally off script but that's yeah, okay yeah, that's, that's fine <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it so in hand in hand you call the parenting approach parenting by connection And it embraces an authoritative parenting style, which is the same as positive discipline. We talk about authoritative parenting being that kindness and firmness at the same time. Can you, I love when I have a a parent educator on, I love to hear the, the different language that people use to explain and to kind of tease out what authoritative, what the authoritative style is because I think people get confused probably because it sounds so much like authoritarian, which it's not. Mm-hmm. But can you kind of tease that out a little bit for the listeners? Okay. We we don't actually talk a lot about it being authoritative. It's like okay. it's not, you know, we, we just talk about it, about connection being the primary thing you want to pay attention to as a parent. Mm-hmm. But that said, um, I think our uh, – so – you can do parenting, you know, one of two ways. If you do parenting using your power as a bigger, stronger, um, a bigger, stronger person who's willing to be scary in order to get their way, um, who's willing to use the, you know, the heat of the emotion that you have stored in you in order to intimidate your children into obedience or doing what you want them to do. If you do that, um, you're, you're not going to win your children's minds or hearts. Mm -hmm. 
the more you scare them, um, the less they can be themselves around you and the less they can access their own good judgment. It's like when children are frightened or intimidated, um, they can't access their judgment and they can't learn anything. So all they're doing is trying to stay out of trouble, trying to keep from being hit or hurt or blamed. And it's just, it doesn't allow them to use their full intelligence. Mm -hmm. And that kind of parenting doesn't let us use our full intelligence. We're just using the fact that we weigh 150 or 200 pounds and our children weigh 20 or 30. You know, mm -hmm. that's all that we're, we're, it's really, um, we're not using the best of who we are as human beings. But authoritative parenting is a kind of parenting where a parent uses the fact that we can love and we can care and we are we can think we're intelligent beings we can reach out we can connect and uses the idea that children want and need and thrive on connection that children think best when they feel connected and so when something goes wrong you reach for connection um, rather than reaching for a threat or, as my father would do, reach for the yardstick, you know, mm -hmm. with which to hit. So you're reaching for the other person rather than reaching for a mechanical means of forcing them to do what you want them to do. So it's a lot less like dog training or, you know, <laughs> you yeah. know kind of animal, animal handling, and it's more we're intelligent beings here. You at my child are intelligent. I'm intelligent. And if we connect, we will get this figured out. So it's really using our presence as intelligent beings um, in parenting and influencing our children by modeling for them what it means to be an intelligent being. And part of that modeling is setting limits. Mm -hmm. So it's a very important part of parenting by connection where you don't allow a child to harm themselves or harm their relationships with other people or, you know, be disrespectful or, um, I don't know, thoughtless in their actions. When you see them being thoughtless, you go, aha, you know, my child can't think. There must be emotion in their way. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me connect. Let me listen to the feelings that they're having. And when they're finished having feelings, I know they'll be able to, you know, figure out what's right in this situation and I won't have to tell them. Um, so you're really trying to release another child's emotions, help them release their emotion and that releases their intelligence. And, um, so it, that's, that's authoritative parenting in my book. Yeah. Yeah. I love that connection is, you know, something that I say a lot is that, um, our relationship is the, the biggest, most influential tool that we have for, um, for not my, well, I say, what do I say? How do I say it? I say the most powerful tool we have for influencing behavior is the relationship that we're in with our kids. Yep. Um, and so, so yes, yes, yes. And there are times, and I, I'm so excited to ask you this question because it just came up. Um, and there's times when it's, you know, not simply a child being, um, disappointed that they don't get a cookie or, you know, kind of the, what, what feels like manageable falling apart, but those really mm -hmm. big tantrums and something that I reached out to you about was that I, I actually had a parent send me a video of mm -hmm. her little guy, you know, and he was just kind of rolling around on the floor crying. I talked to a parent today and she was talking about her five-year-old and the, 
the rages that he will get in and, you know, hurting and knocking over chairs. And um, do you, what are your tips for parents to bridge that? Because I know sometimes, I mean, even for myself, right, if I'm in enough of a fit of a rage, then it's hard to kind of penetrate that. Right. And how do we get in there when they're so flipped to allow them to hold space for them to be able to access even their ability to say, yeah, I'm really mad right now. I mean, I'm thinking about those kids that are just flailing around because it's it is what they do. It's an overwhelm of emotions. But what can you tell parents that are listening about like a baby step in the direction of helping their children to connect with their feelings in a way that allows them to release them so that they can eventually move on. Okay. Um, (laughs) What I, what I can say is that your child is vastly intelligent Mm -hmm. and if they are having a tantrum that is lasting 45 minutes, then that's the tantrum they need to have. And it will, the whole process will be deeply healing if you can trust your child, if you can trust your child's judgment that this is this is what he needs to do in order to get poisonous feelings out of his system. And the more connection you can pour in during this process, um, the, the better the outcome will be. If you just stand there and videotape the whole thing and go, oh my God, you know, this kid is a space alien and I don't know him. Mm-hmm. And how did this happen? And your where where your attention is in your mind is on yourself and what have you what could you have done wrong and mm-hmm. what should I do about this and who shall I tell and da 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 da. Right. Your attention is on yourself and what what will help the and and in a way your child can't heal unless someone moves in and goes, okay, I back you. Right. This is really, really hard. I'm right here. Tell me everything. Um, and it's adults have a funny idea of, um, we, we just have not understood in our culture what it means to get through, um, emotional hurt Mm -hmm. and the healing process that we've been experimenting with for 43 years doesn't have a lot to do with intellectualizing about the feeling talking about the feeling or naming the feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, Children don't seem to want to do that. And you force them to do that. It interrupts the healing process. It makes them stop crying and start talking to you. Right. And um, it's much, much more fruitful. You get much better results in the end. If you think of a child's big cry or big tantrum or big raging fit as um, kind of lancing the boil, as allowing the the emotional infection to drain out. Mm-hmm. And when you're lancing a boil, you're not, you know, you're not, I don't know, you just, you're letting, you're letting the yuck come out. Right. And, and you are having, you're trusting that, you know, having that stuff out of your body is going to be really helpful to you. You're trusting the healing power that your child has. And um, if your child wants to tell you about the experience afterwards, they will. But if they have a huge fit and then all of a sudden, you know, they're over it, which does happen. It's like if you mm-hmm. really back, back a child 
even if they've cried for, and, and fought and thought that you were the devil incarnate for two hours, mm-hmm. um, when they're finished, you know, they kind of open their eyes and they look around and they go, do we have orange juice? Yeah. No? <laughs> and you go, yeah, we have orange juice. Well, could I have some? Just go, sure, I'll get you some orange juice. And then pretty soon they're talking to you about, you know, their um, their Lego toys and the next thing they're going to make with their Legos. It's like um, yeah. it's as though it didn't happen. The mind simply gets all of that junk out. It clears and life feels so much better and um, and they feel much more connected with you. It's kind of like parents are, in a way, we are, we get we are hopeful that our children will reassure us in the middle of a cry that our presence is helpful. Right. And in the middle of strong emotions, children have no room to try to reassure us that our presence is helpful. They are focused 125% on how bad this felt. And they're pinning old feelings usually on a present situation, you know, yeah. old disappointments on the fact that, you know, a quarter fell off of their cracker. Um, <laughs> and the, in a way, the smaller the thing that triggered the feelings, um, the, deeper the, the deeper the hurt is that they can work on. It's like they can't work on a really deep early hurt by telling you, yeah, it was awful for two weeks in the, in the neonatal intensive care. I didn't see you very often, mm-hmm. and I didn't know if I was going to get well, and I was scared to death, and they were pricking me every two hours, and there were all these lights, and I was really sick. They, don't, they can't tell you that. What they can do is, when they stub their toe, have a 45-minute trembling, writhing, you know, panicking cry. Right about having gotten just a little tiny bit hurt because if they get hurt anymore they freeze and the old the feelings are too powerful the feelings of oh this is just like when you were all alone in the neonatal intensive care and they were hurting you night and day Um, if it's too much like that they can't they can't release the feelings but if it's a little tiny thing they can and so you kind of have to understand that there is a deep-seated, in, instinctive, emotional healing process, and it involves pinning gigantic, panicky, dramatic, you know, full-throated feelings on the teeniest of pretexts, and that's how children heal. If we can stay with them, you know, touch them, let them know we care, and keep holding whatever whatever limit you know started the whole thing. If you keep holding that limit mm-hmm. and keep saying, "No, you really do need to go to sleep now," mm-hmm. and and you just keep letting them cry it through until they can relax and fall asleep. Mm-hmm. There was a it was interesting. A father just um, Tasha Shore and I came out with this book uh, recently called "Listen: Five Simple Tools for." for uh, meeting your everyday parenting challenges. And a dad wrote in saying, you know, this book has changed my life. Um, I'm a single dad. I'm in New York City. I've never listened to my son cry. He's two and a half. And I've always made, you know, made him, you know, okay, time to pull out of it. Yeah. Or entertain them out of it or. Yeah. yeah. You you know, that that wasn't that big of a bump, you know, come on, let's go get a cookie. Da, 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 da. And he said, I, I listened to him, and he cried for over an hour. And then he finished, and he looked at me, and he said, phew, there was a lot in there. Oh. And, then, 
And then he wanted to lie on my chest and he fell asleep feeling so he wanted to lie on my chest. He wanted me to take my shirt off and lie on my chest, skin to skin. So we did that and he fell asleep and I just feel so deeply close to him now. And it's just like, so he just felt like, oh my gosh, this whole world of the power that you have to get closer to your child, the power you have to relieve your child's upsets, the power you have to make your child feel perfectly safe in the world again when they didn't feel that safe is very great. But you, in the middle of it all, you have to trust that when your child bursts into tears or when your child has a, a big old you know, honking tantrum, that your child is using their very best judgment. They know what they need to do, and they just need you to what we call stay listen, to stay mm-hmm. with them, keep them safe. If they're throwing chairs around, then you put your hand on the chair so they can try to throw the chair, but they can't throw the chair. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're ripping up things that are valuable, you put your hand on the thing. You don't grab it away mm-hmm. from them. Put your hand on the thing so they can't do damage. Um but you trust that they are releasing tension in the very most efficient way they can. So you be the safety manager and you pour in connection and, uh, and trust that at the end you're going to see something you haven't seen in a long time, which is a deeply relaxed child who feels very close to you. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Wow, that is a significant shift in how to look at the emotional upset of children. That's re- thank you for yeah. explaining that so thoughtfully. Um, I 
can hear, I hear my little, I hear my parents' voices, right? Not my personal parents, but the people that I work with. (laughs) Um, And I know that one of the struggles that, you know, has kind of become a, a much bigger focus for me in working with parents is on the internal work that's required if you're going to stay listen, if you're going mm-hmm. to have your child's back, if you're going to release your own feelings of lack of control or the triggers that show up when somebody's, you know, tearing apart something you care about or calling you, you know, letting you know mm-hmm. that they hate you or whatever the language is that's coming at you, I think that there's some really powerful work for parents to be doing to stay in that open, available, loving space. Can you talk a little bit about, um, I mean, I talk about, you know, we have to practice. We have to, you know, continuously be practicing what it feels like to have a calm, available presence, you know, even when we don't need it. But what are some things that you all talk about with parents about how to show up that way when everything inside of us is perhaps being triggered into I've got to I've got to get control of this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we feel panicked about being in control because control was the way we were parented. Our parents, oh yeah, were, were frantic to be in control of our emotions, in control of our behavior, in control of you know, the minutia of what we did every day. And um, so that has gotten passed down to us. And it's not not anybody's fault that they get, you know, really antsy when their children are seem to be having emotions that are too strong or going on for more than two minutes at a time. And it's like right. our, parent, our parents couldn't stand emotional outbursts. And so we haven't, you know, been, we haven't, guided anybody through a big emotional thing Mm -hmm. and what we do and we don't you know we don't talk about this so much as we do it in every one of our in every one of our classes we listen to every parent talk about whatever they want to talk about but we we do we do listening to everybody um every time we get together to with them if it's a class and parents have a chance to talk about what matters to them and what they find is that when others are are listening with respect and caring, um, that emotions come close to the surface very quickly because we have an instinct to heal from emotional hurt too. Mm. Just it's a, just as strong in us as it is in our children. It's just that it's been squelched ever since we were you know six months old. So we have a little unlearning to do about how to allow ourselves to have a good cry or have a good laugh. And um, so one of the one of the listening tools that we um, think are key in parenting, um, using our authority as intelligent beings in parenting, mm-hmm. um, is what we call listening partnerships. So we show parents how to partner with one another without charging anything or paying anything or going to school for five years to learn how to listen. Um, parents can listen to one another and, and can do parent support groups. We, we do a little parent support group in every class that we do. So it's just, and that gives parents a chance to feel what it's like to be listened to with respect and to have people not butt in and not tell you what to do and not judge you for how you feel, no matter how you feel. Mm -hmm. And that, that 
experience, that sense of being heard, parents can then carry to their into their relationships with their children. And sometimes, you know, the relationship with their child moves just a little bit over mm-hmm. time. And sometimes there's a great big movement right away. And um, it really, you know, that's different for each parent as to what changes and, and at what rate. But um, being listened to and having the opportunity to find your feelings and show your feelings is a, a deeply moving experience. And it gives parents a sense that crying is uh, is a healing force in your life and that laughter is also a healing force. And when you are getting that kind of attention for yourself, it's that's what makes it possible to then turn that kind of attention towards your child. Mm-hmm. So what we find is that as parents try to stay listen and as they try to play with their children, allowing more laughter and more, more freedom in play, um, it, it, you know, it's rewarding and it feels good and it feels like, oh, kind of, oh, wow, I'm learning new things here. And then you come up against a thing that you can't stand, you know, it's like, right. well, I listened to her cry for three minutes, but after that, you know, snot was flying and, and I felt <laughs> like, oh God, this is a mess. And I just, I ran for the Kleenex. You know, and um, and then so then that parent goes to a listening partnership and starts working on her feelings about mess and how, you know, Mm. she could never be allowed to look messy or look bad in front of anybody. And she gets to work on her own childhood there and go back. And then the next time her child has a good cry, she doesn't feel panicked. So so panicked that she runs for the Kleenex. She can just you know, use a shirt tail and, and not get distracted by, you know, how messy your child's face is while your child is unloading deep feelings. Um, so it, you know, our children give us opportunities to try something new and then we bump up against where we, we can't listen anymore. We go back, we get listened to about what that was and how it felt. And we go back and we're able to listen to our children and they push us a little farther. So it's a, a, everybody gets to Everybody gets to learn from each other in this process yeah. as long as there's as long as there's a listener for the parent on a regular basis. Oh man, I am intrigued by this, Patty. I could mm-hmm. talk to you for hours about this. This is really thank you. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for the work that you've done and yeah. all of the learning and all of the parents that have helped you too to to just come to this place of such such an important discovery or yeah i have i have a good anecdote that just illustrates it yes like this this yeah so one of our instructors she's a wonderful woman has a she had a couple of teens and her daughter had just turned 14 and um she came to me and i was over there visiting one day and she said you know I just don't feel close to my daughter anymore. I f- we felt so close the whole time through her childhood, and I felt like, you know, I love mothering this girl. She is wonderful. And since she turned 14, I just, I, I don't know. I, it feels like there's something wrong between us, and I don't know. It's She's not doing anything wrong, but I just can't, I, I don't feel the same at all. And And I just said, well, what, what, what happened to you when you mm-hmm. were 14? And she, all of a sudden, she just kind of gasped and burst into tears. And she went, oh, my gosh, right around my 14th birthday, my mother committed suicide. And um, she just cried and cried and cried. And she hadn't thought about that at all. I mean, it was just like, I mean, she'd worked on it, I'm sure. But um, and then 
she had really good cry about how alone she was and she didn't have anybody to talk to about how it felt to her and just she was bereft and didn't have a mom anymore and um after that so I spent about an hour listening to her and she called me back and you know five days later and said you know that was all I needed you know I can I can keep working on this it still reverberates but I feel close to my daughter again. I understand what happened to me. I, you know, it's like I know her again. I know what to do. You know, I, I am still feeling like a good mom. And um, so it's a, I don't know, it solves a lot of problems. Just yeah. To yeah. I totally, that's landing deeply in my heart for sure. Yeah. With my own experience at 14 and having a 14 year old. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, Tell us a little bit more about your book. I would love for you listeners to check it out. Um, and Tasha was actually on the show a few yeah. months ago. Her, We talked about boys, man. And my people, they could not get enough of that yeah. show. It's yeah. just gone gangbusters. So yeah. talk a little bit about Listen. Okay. Well, Tasha Shore and I wrote it together. Um, and it is a book that outlines why connection is so important. Um, and... It outlines five simple tools that all of which will um, connect you at a, a good, le- you know, at a deep level with your child. Um, they're simple tools. They are very simple tools, and they have a lot of power um, to create connection and to repair connection. And so, there's one chapter for each of the tools, and then there's a chapter about what we call emotional projects, which is. Um, an emotional project is when your child keeps having big feelings about the same kind of thing over and over, like the children. Like losing at board games? Yeah, losing at board games, um, want, needing to be first mm-hmm. or um, needing to be best, you know, what happens when they come in second, um, feeling like their sister is more loved than they are, Um some children fall apart every time there's a transition and mm-hmm. you can talk till you're blue in the face about how many minutes till the transition and give them all kinds of warnings. But when it comes, they still fall apart. And these, these kinds of things are, are usually tied to very early, um, sometimes traumatic experiences like being in the neonatal intensive care or like having had your one of your parents have to go on an extended business trip when you were an infant and you just never connected with them again as well afterwards or or like you know i don't know just just hard hard times early in life mm-hmm. it's sort of the, the earlier the hard time is um the more times a child has to go in and cry about it or tantrum about it or um just work it through in order to be free of that you know, that lingering feeling. And, um, so there's a chapter on that. Um, I have a question about that. I just had a question Uh pop up. Is it important to know, to be able to pinpoint where the hurt is coming from? Or is it as the parent is the, is the work just more about being available and there and, and just listening and holding space for them to heal? Um, I think that for the parent, it helps to have an idea of what this might come from just Mm -hmm. because you can, you know, you've got, you've got a story to tell yourself while you're doing listening for the umpteenth time. (laughs) However, sometimes you just don't know. And 
But in, in terms of allowing your child to heal, you don't have to know. Right. Um, and they don't, they don't have to know either. Um, their instinct will lead them to the healing process. The better, the better you listen, um, the more quickly they will use the healing process and the more thoroughly they'll use the healing process. So as your listening gets better, they'll be able to peel away deeper and deeper layers of what hurt them, even if neither of you ever figure out what it is. Got it. Got yeah. it. I'm going to get my hands on that book. <laughs> I'm really excited. And listeners, yeah. I encourage all of you as well. But before we go into where they can find the book, I have one question that I love to end my interviews with, Patty. And that sure. is, what does joyful courage mean to you? Joyful courage. I think, in a way, I think it is um, a human being's birthright to be joyfully courageous. Um, joyful courage means to me exactly what uh, a one-year-old will do while they're trying to pull themselves up, you know, uh, so they can stand up next to a table or as a toddler is trying to walk across the room. It's like they don't care what happens. They're just going to try it. Oh, I love and that. they are proud of themselves as they do it. So I just think, I think it's the attitude towards life that we are born with that we get to keep if we're not hurt too badly. Um, but, you know, it's it, sometimes you have to work on hurt in order to get your birthright back. And, uh, yeah, so that that's what joyful courage is to me. It's Ooh, like that, that. It's that two-year-old, you know, walking across the room and falling down and being just as pleased with themselves that they've landed on their bottom <laughs> as they would have been if they'd have kept on walking. Oh, so. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, so sure. tell, tell the listeners, where can they find your book and where can they find out more about Hand in Hand and how can they follow you on social media? Sure. So um, we're at handinhandparenting.org. And there are over 100 articles there. You can use a little search window on our homepage to put in any topic. And a whole bunch of blog posts and um, articles will come up on that topic. And we're on social media at Hand in Hand Parenting. And um, uh, the book is called Listen, Five Simple Tools for Meeting Your Everyday Parenting Challenges. It's got over 130 stories from parents on five continents about how these tools work to make life work better with, you know, between parent and child, um, to relieve children of their difficulties and help us be our own best selves as parents. And you can get it at uh, listenthebook.com. Um, the Kindle version is available on Amazon and, um, yeah, well, we're hoping to get an audio book out in the first three months of this year. So great. Well, I will make sure all of those links are in my show notes listeners. So you'll be able to fast track your way to that book and, and Thanks. connecting more with hand in hand. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on Patty. I really, yeah. really enjoyed this. Thank you, Casey. It's really a pleasure and an honor, actually, to be on your show. You're doing such good work. Oh, so. thank you. Ah, well, that didn't disappoint, did it? What an amazing guest. It was such a huge honor to get to know Patty and to broaden my understanding and my awareness around the work of hand-in-hand -hand parenting and I am excited I am excited about everything that she spoke about I'm excited to hear from all of you 
about what you thought and what you're taking away and what was helpful to you. So please be sure to send in your feedback around this show, right? And if you were listening, I mentioned Impact 1 Million Kids at the top of the hour, but if you were listening and you were feeling like, oh my gosh, this is so good, don't keep it to yourself. Share it around. Give it to your family members, to your friends. Right now, I'm running a contest where if you share the podcast and you tag me or Joyful Courage in the post about the podcast, your name goes into a bag. And at the end of the month, I'm actually going to be pulling some winners. I've got some bracelets, some mantra bracelets left, and some trucker hats, and maybe even a coaching session or two to give away. So please, please, I'm working on expanding the reach of the podcast, and I can only do it with your help. So if you are finding inspiration and help and guidance, um, if you laughed a little bit or cried a little bit, if this was something that moved you, please, please, please um, be a part of the, the impact right? Be a part of impacting 1 million kids by sharing it. So some other places, if you're not aware, if you're a new listener, thank you. I'm so glad that you found us. Um, You can find me and the work of Joyful Courage at Joyful Courage on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. I also have a private closed Facebook group that you can join in. Uh, Live and love with Joyful Courage. And man, this week especially, I'm so in love with that community of people where we've created a really beautiful, unconditional, loving, safe place for parents to really dig in and puzzle out the the stuff that's going on for them. So if that is something that appeals to you, join us. Join us over there. Also, would love any love on iTunes as far as reviews of the show. It would be awesome if you want to pop in there and write a review I would be super duper grateful so big love to each and every one of you don't forget to to check out the show notes for the feed 3000 event page link I'm super excited about that that's something I'm going to be talking about for the next couple months and yeah yeah have a beautiful beautiful day my friends and be excited because later this week I am going to have a world changer episode that's going to go live so lots of podcasts happening Big love, big love. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.